middle of a conversation, you made a joke about us having just had sex. Uh-huh. Which, you know, fine. I'm not I'm not a homophobe. That doesn't freak me out. But you said it so casually that I suddenly became filled with the certainty that some portion of our listening audience who have who commit to the bit <laughs> definitely think that we are like that we are in a sexual relationship. I don't know. I'm pretty sure anyone listening to the show knows us well enough, which isn't well at all, but well enough nonetheless, that no one here is fucking. There's no sex stuff. By the way, hi, my name is Nick. Oh, and I'm Kyle. This is the Big Bang Theory Theory. We watch And I'm just saying, perhaps it would be a better show if it were a show by two awkward gay men, you know, who are deeply in love with each other instead of just two weird friends. So he says it's not about that. Well, that, see, you're doing it again. Oh, no. You you made that happen. You want that to happen. It's okay. It can't. I know. I I just stink of all the the female lovers that I've had on me, and it would you would you'd be shamed thinking about everyone that I've bedded in the past. It would also make the title of our. I'm just. You're absolutely right, and I'll let it go after this. But it would also make think of all the levels of irony it would add just to uh to the name of our podcast. It would add at least one. <laughs> exactly one level. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because our love would be big. Yes. Yes. Um, what do we do here, Kyle? Why are we doing this thing? Uh, every week we... Uh, we're every other week. Every fortnight? Every, every, every recording increment, we meet up and we talk about an episode of The Big Bang Theory, the show neither of us particularly likes, although... I am forced to admit is growing on us in weird and it's, insidious fashion. I was I was looking at the the credits for this episode a little bit and trying to figure out like whether there was any name I recognized that was responsible for the quality because this we watched a pretty good episode today and it's always kind of upsetting when that happens. <laughs> it's I know that we do this really ridiculous thing where we watch a show knowing that we're not going to like it and that's just kind of a weird douchey thing to do that you've all committed to for some reason. But whenever we end up actually liking an episode, it's it just feels so dirty. Yeah. It feels like you've been manipulated somehow. Um, but yeah, today we watched Season 3, Episode 6, which was... Oh, no, we'll do the summary first before we do the title, the thing that we do about one-sixth of the time. Yes. Uh, do you want to try handling the summary, or should I, should I go ahead and knock it out? No, please knock it out. All right. Again, standard A-B plot process. Ba-doom-boom. Boom. Plot A. Uh, Leonard is hanging out with Penny... Uh, well, actually, no. It's Leonard is hanging out with the boys, and they're all super psyched about going on a kite-flying adventure when he runs into Penny, and Penny says that uh, she's about to have a football game watch-a-thon with, with her friends, and this is when Leonard realizes, oh, my my girlfriend has friends that I don't know. My girlfriend has friends that I'm not spending time with. Oh, no. The only obvious inference to make from this is that she is ashamed of me. Ah! And so he commits to hanging out with her and watching a football game. That's all of plot A. Uh, except there is a little bit where he gets trained by Sheldon, who, because Sheldon grew up in Texas, where he says uh, football was essentially ubiquitous, that he um, happens to know all about football and could teach him. And so Leonard then goes on to uh, watch uh, Penny's football game at the football party. Uh, he describes everything in obnoxious technical detail to where all the of Penny's bro friends don't understand and think he's an obnoxious twerp, but nothing really comes of it, and he ends up uh, leaving when he realizes that he's allowed to. And then plot B is the rest of... The, well, actually, not the whole rest of the boys. Uh, 
Wallowitz and Raj get in a tiff because they are in a two-on-two kite-flying uh, attack kite competition, and Wallowitz totally ba- abandons uh, Raj to to chase a one, a female jogger that he insists smiled at him. Yes, both. Uh, figuratively and literally, yeah, he's yeah. chasing her. Yeah, it's he goes running after her, which uh, Raj very lovingly points out later on is essentially a felony. Um, which I don't know if just the chasing would be. <laughs> yes, let's definitely. Yeah, let's. Well, we want to know what people can legally get away with when they're being total creeps. Anyway, uh, and so Raj later on calls out Wallowitz on being a pretty terrible friend, and that. Uh, Wallowitz will do this every time a pretty woman walks by. He'll he'll freak out and chase after her, or do something else, and completely abandon Raj. And so the rest of their half of the episode, they are their relationship is mapped onto that of a quarreling uh, couple. And Wallowitz is trying to win back Raj through sweet gestures, and eventually takes him to the tar pits and buys him a little saber tooth tiger animal, and they kiss and make up just before Wallowitz finds another woman to go running after. Raj says, oh, just go for it, buddy, and then calls him a douche. I think that's everything. Yeah, And the name, well summarized. The name of that everything is uh, Season 3, Episode 6, title, The Cornhusker Vortex. Ah, uh, yes. That's fine. Fucking Cornhuskers. Yes, it's, it's Nebraska is Penny's team. So can I tell you... Um, you seem to have well, fire toward the Cornhuskers. Well, it's so I am, much like most of the people in this episode... I have never been able to give a shit about football, and yet there's still, like, ingrained in me, there's some weird deep-seated hatred of two football teams. One One is Kansas, and the other is Nebraska, because my parents both went to Oklahoma University, and those were their two arch rivals. So, fuck Kansas, but particularly, as was impressed upon me, fuck the Nebraska Cornhuskers. See, in Montana, I grew up with two competing intrastate schools. And so it was Bozeman versus Missoula. Are you a Grizz or are you a Bobcat? That's interesting. I mean, there's some of that because, like, OU plays OSU sometimes and stuff like that. But it's not nearly – I mean, basically, you know, you always root for the the state team over all of those weird decadent outsiders with their corn and their fields. No, not Montana. As, as sparse as our population is, we nonetheless turn inward when we look for hatred. Oh, I miss you, Montana. Sort of. Uh, anyway, how how did you like the episode? I mean, we already talked about it. We did like it. Yeah, I did. I liked liked a lot of it. I related to the main plot. That wasn't my favorite part. I uh, I thought Sheldon got some good lines in this episode. Not at the beginning. At the beginning, he's being really obnoxious. But like, they decided, I guess. So there's. Again, we've talked about this before, but my least favorite part of the Sheldon dynamic is when someone makes a joke and Sheldon follows up with the joke but by like, oh, I understand you're trying to make a joke here, but rather than go with the joke, I'm going to both over-explain the joke and follow it up with a random scientific fact that isn't very interesting. Uh, so I hate all of that, but then it gets better. Like, you yeah. know, once he's teaching them about football and talking about how much Texas sucks, he's pretty good. And also... Just the Raj Wallowitz dynamic is great in this one. It really is. I'm glad that Raj. In part, I think Raj was the MVP of this episode. He's, you know, it's weird. He's still such a poorly defined character, but he's coming out as being a pretty just like well balanced human, I guess. Like aside from his issue with not being able to talk with women unless he's drunk, 
he's becoming the normie of the group. I yeah, think. I think exactly. He's the uh, he's the he's the Matthew Perry, the Chandler of their group, which is the guy who doesn't get any of like the the weird personality quirks. So he just stands around and everybody throws him all the good sarcastic one-liners. His weird personality quirk is that he's an insufferable douchebag. Oh, I. I grew up loving Chandler Bing, and now anytime I watch Friends, which isn't often because I don't care about this big resurgence it had a couple of years ago. I don't give a shit about that show. Pretty sure it's but done with it. And Chandler Bing is always there to sassen it up. I feel like he is what I wanted to be because he represents uh, the most insecure possible person who can't enjoy anything uh, and has to tear apart everyone else's fun. There, harumph. Raj is becoming like that, but I like it in Raj because he's cute. <laughs> I am curious, though, like uh, like Leonard in this episode, have you ever, like, tried to learn about something strictly to impress someone? Not even necessarily a girl, but just, like, no. you just wanted to fit in somewhere, so you were like, maybe if I obsessively... So, so that's it. Fitting in, yes. Impressing someone, no. Um, I feel like there's a part of my brain that I'm just missing, that when I'm attracted to someone makes me think I need to impress upon them my greatness. And I think it's not just because, like, I have no self-esteem. I also just, like, I'm just like, why would I do that? You know, if they like me, they like me. And if not, they can fuck off. Anyway, why, did you have an example that you were thinking of, of trying to impress or... I don't, I just feel like that's something I've, I can't, it's weird because I don't recall a particular example. but And yet, I just identified really strong with, uh, with Leonard just with this idea of, oh, maybe if I, I mean, I think I've... I think I've definitely done it and just blocked out all of the particulars because it, it's all so awkward and embarrassing yeah. looking back on. But I'm sure that there were times, like, there was, like, a girl I liked and she said she liked some books, so I read the whole book or something like that. Like, that is definitely – because that's how my mind works, right? Oh, it's like I yeah. love the accumulation of knowledge anyway. So I'm always like, well, maybe if I just – that's, like, one of the ways that I show – um that I care about people is like, if they make a rec, it's like, if I don't care about someone and you recommend something to me, I just, I never check it out. Whereas if I do care about someone and they're like, I really like this thing. Even if I don't like the thing, you know, I will try to learn as much about it as possible to at least have a really good stable grounding for not liking the thing. Yeah. So, um, I'm recognizing a significant difference between the two of us is that you will do things to show that you care about people. <laughs> Well, but not obvious things. Not yeah. any. Not normal I, I things. I will read. I will read their treasures in my secret chamber. It's like, it's like. Yes, I read your. Uh, I read your fan fiction. You know that you wrote and you posted online. I read like the first two chapters of that. I get it now. That's so. You know, I've made sacrifices. Yeah. Yeah, I was just challenging you if you've ever like, you know, tried to get into something just for the sake of other people, and your answer was a resounding no, which is cool. Well, no, it's I have tried. I just hate it. <laughs> yes. It, well, it's like uh, my former coworkers too. I go to soccer games, and that was like the most, oh, that's right, the most that. tolerable of the things I don't like. How do you feel about football? You mean football or football? No, n- no, not soccer. How do you feel about American football? The band or the, <laughs> uh, I don't. Get How do you feel about iShield Twenty One? That's really what I'm trying to get to here. I don't even know what that means. Oh, man, so it's weird. As I've said repeatedly, don't give a shit about football. Did write an entire screenplay about football that was for many, for a long time, everybody's favorite screenplay that I'd ever written. But that probably says more about America than about me. Um, Damn. Uh, and it was probably not a very well-written screenplay because, again, don't really understand like the emotional appeal of football. Except there is a there is a manga 
One of the few manga I own every single volume of. Oh my goodness. And it is entirely about it is about a, a scrappy football team trying to win, you know, a in a high school hyper competitive football league. And it is fantastic. And the main character is this nerdy little kid who's been bullied. And because he's been bullied so much, he's learned to run hyper fast. And one day the demonic Super bully at his school, who is also the quarterback of the high school football team, sees him running. It's like, my God, he's brilliant. We will, we will put him in disguise and we will create a a fake persona around him, and he will he will pretend to be the secret American football ace from another country, and he won't talk to anyone, and he'll wear special glass in his helmet so that no one can see his features, and he'll just run circles around people, and we will call him Shield 21 And it is, it is fucking fantastic. Here's how good it is. I mean, the writing is good, but also it was uh, the guy who drew, who both wrote and drew it is now the guy who does the redrawing on the One Punch Man uh, manga. Cool, so it's cool, cool. really good art. You did just remind me that the only of an imaginary sport that I gave a shit about for well, so there's two. Fuck, that should have been my nerd recommendation of the week. Fuck, it still can be. We'll just do it out of order. I don't have like a yeah, good one. That was my nerd. Go read I Shield Twenty One. That's my nerd recommendation of the week. Okay, it's it's great. There's also an anime on Crunchyroll. I haven't watched the anime, but I assume it's also pretty good. This puts so much more pressure on me to have a good one, and I don't have a good one this week. I have got That's okay. Some. I didn't have one. <laughs> well, apparently until was, until was, we started talking about this. Ooh, you know, I've I've got a recommendation now, but uh, let's just get it out of the way. You know, hey, here, what's up? We've been talking for about twenty no, minutes. No, we no. still have to talk about other stuff. Well, okay. You no, know, make your recommendation, then we'll just go back. It's just this is a weird one, folks. You know, we're professionals, of course, but sometimes we have to deviate from yeah, the careful rules I'm get out and of the format. Way. We'll loop back around to the episode, which it always sucks because whenever we like an episode, there's nothing to talk about. It's like well, it's, we still haven't talked about my favorite line in the episode or my weird theory about uh, Sheldon. So I got stuff. Okay, we'll get back around to that. And actually, before I make my recommendation. All right, so long as we're mixing the recommendation and the rest of the show uh, up, I guess I'll go ahead and I'm pretty sure I haven't already recommended this. Uh, Final Fantasy X. Oh, bum, bum. that's a we- the interesting choice of the Final Fantasies to be recommending. I think it's probably my favorite Final Fantasy game. Woo, super controversial take. I, but no, this is not me. I'm not being pretentious here. I don't, I don't really have a dog in this fight, but... It's hard for me to understand. I'm just looking forward to this. Why it isn't treasured more than it is? Because I feel like, and, and so the reason it came to mind was uh, we're talking about all this football, blitzball, blitzball. I've played a game I definitely understand the mechanics of more than football. Yes, and I've played so much blitzball in my life. I, I think it's fair to say that I've played a miserable amount of blitzball, uh, which is a game within the game. Where it's basically rugby inside of a giant sphere of water, and the characters and the players in the game uh, apparently can hold their breath for minutes and minutes and minutes. Yes, <laughs> like roughly an hour if they have to, I guess, to to play this game. But um, that's that's not why I'm recommending it. It's it is one of like the better mini games that a Final Fantasy game has had. Uh, Except that you do have to play so much of it to get the ultimate weapon you can get out of it. Well, and just recruiting fucking people is a nightmare. I uh, didn't bother. Me and my my uh, my 
uh, the Besaid Aurochs, my guys. Really? Stuck with them the whole time. Wow. Hell that yeah. is impressive. They're my boys. You don't just give up on your boys. Um, and I didn't want anyone else in there messing up with the team mojo either. But yeah, uh, Besaid Aurochs all the way. But Final Fantasy X, it's about... It, it's kind of hard to explain at first. It's about this character Titus, or Titus, if you're a jerk. And, <laughs> and uh, he is a total bro celebrity football player that lives in the big city. Uh, the big Final Fantasy city. Uh, yeah. and, and also, um, I'm not trying to... I just think it's... He's sort of the start of a trend in Final Fantasy protagonists. Or maybe he's the turning point, because I guess arguably other but he's like he's a teen pretty boy like i don't know well that should start with cloud yeah but cloud at least has angst i mean this he really this is he's just like you don't think titus titus has angst he's all upset about his dad all the time living in his shadow doesn't know what he's doing on this journey okay sorry yeah how dare you i didn't mean to interrupt how dare you Please keep talking about Final Fantasy X. I love it. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll keep it short, but... No! No need to keep it short. You have to edit this, so... So I'll keep it short. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... Um, Titus, uh, the the city he's in, Xanarkand, gets destroyed by some sort of giant creature that uh, they just straight up call Sin. <laughs> and um, he, when his city is destroyed, uh, a friend of his dad's comes and finds him sucks him into the giant monster with him. And then he wakes up in the ocean uh, outside of some ruins, meets uh, teen Riku, and then they go on a big adventure, uh, which I think Final Fantasy, uh, kind of like Final Fantasy XV, it's really, it's a it's a road trip game. It's you, you meet all your characters. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and in a way, they're all kind of road trip games because they're so linear. But this really is like, we started. We are starting here in Besaid. We need to get to this specific spot. Um, we are not going to tell Titus everything that happens up until then, uh, but he can come along with us because he's good with the sword and he has nothing better to do with his life. Uh, and that's probably enough about Final Fantasy X. I love it. It's available on all systems still today. Uh, are you going to get the Switch version? That Absolutely has... not. No. I... Okay. Wait. That has what? It's just it's ten and ten two combined oh, on yeah. the Switch no, remastered. Ten two I loved when it came out and I have a really hard time playing now. Um the only other thing I'm going to say is the super weird plot of I haven't even verified this, both because I haven't played through the full game. I'm i I'm aware there's like a major plot twist, although it's not that much weirder than any other Final Fantasy game. Um but the weird plot twist which I don't want to give away um, is apparently inspired by some uh, a Borges, a Jorge Luis Borges story, which makes sense because a lot of his stories are about like memory and identity and the idea of like the way myths become real and sort of all of this weird postmodernist stuff that's hmm. beautiful. So apparently, the writer of Final Fantasy X has said that he was heavily inspired by Jorge Luis Borges, oh, well, who is nice. also the guy that like uh, Christopher Nolan is a big fan of. Which is why, you know, so what I'm saying is if there's anything sort of inception-y or, uh, or memento-y about yeah, Final yeah. Fantasy X, that's because they both have a common source. All right. I think there's definitely some inception-y stuff about it, but that would be getting into big spoilers. So um, for a game that is 20 years old. <laughs> but anywho, you uh, 
I guess we have to do our social media plugs now, out of order. Ah, this is well, a nightmare. Yeah, we fucked iTunes. up so badly. We're on Twitter. We're on the Facebook. Um, I forgot that I bought a URL for our show that redirects to the Facebook page, which is bbttpodcast.com. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, you know, I've had time on my hands recently, and I'm like, oh, I guess I'll poke around in the gears of this thing, and finally found some stuff. Uh, also, I don't think I said on the last episode, um, I gave a quick... Shout out to people who told us about the uh, the issues we were having with the podcast feed and how it's spitting out multiple episodes. I just want to say thank you again because uh, I don't think I got across the last time. Like, not only is it nice that like people checked in so we could fix it, but it's re- it's it's like nice knowing people are complaining because it's it's nice to know that people care enough about the show that they actually want to be able to keep getting it in a reasonable fashion yes one thing you have to understand about nick is that he really is incapable of processing praise or compliments but if you tell him hey there's something broken here that's how he knows you care i am left speechless (laughs) (laughs) At, at the truth okay now getting back to the episode for our weird final wrap up you had more you wanted to get into. So you had a favorite line, I think. So sometimes we say what our favorite line in this, this episode. This one's really easy. Um, Raj and Howard are having their big fight, which gets surprisingly real because because it's it's one another one of those times where Raj just call where like they call out the central dynamic of the show, and Raj is like, I don't see what the point of being your friend is if you're just gonna run off, you know, chasing ladies every time you think you have a shot with one of them and abandon me. And he's like, he's like, well, you're not really upset about that. You're upset about the fact that you can't talk to women. And Raj is like, it's like, that's what you're really mad about. And Raj is like, no, I'm mad at you. I hate myself. But right now, I'm mad at you. Yeah. Oh, oh, I remember the other thing. This is a total aside, but no Bernadette totally vanished. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's fine for now because she hasn't. It's not like Stephanie where she became a recurring character and then just disappeared. Like, so far, she's been used as a joke. You know that she's going to come back. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I guess that's the, it's like, it's like, obviously there was, because in this one, Howard's just back to his whole chasing after whatever lady he can thing, so. Yeah. And it Um, never mentions it. To go back to to Taraj and Wallowitz's relationship for just a second, though, I have heard that when you end a relationship, like when you break up, um, that if you try to get back together again, you are much, much more likely to succeed in that if you are willing to accept the quirks and flaws of the other person rather than to promise change. And so in a way, Raj, by just letting Wallowitz be Wallowitz, is doing the most mature and healthy thing he can for their relationship. Yeah, I don't think that's true at all. But I mean, maybe for their relationship, maybe that's true. Mm -hmm. But it's just like... I think you're also I think the other part of that before we go out giving bad advice to people is that you have to set new boundaries. It's like if you recognize that your partner has bad habits and is incapable of changing them, then you still have to make responses in your own. Yeah, no, I'm not. I I don't think I didn't mean to suggest that you should just suck up whatever is going on. It's just that, like, you have to accept that the person as a whole is who they are and you can't change them. And to the extent that they aren't going to work on themselves, you don't have any control over that. But you can't force it to happen, I yes. think is the point. I think that's weird. I had a slightly uh, darker take on it, which has to do with the main A plot of the episode, which, again, the weirdest part. I had a weird – this is all kind of pointless and conjectural, and I apologize for the weird direction we're about to, to what? <laughs> I just apologize for where we're about to go because I know it's uh, pretentious. But – the show does it to itself in a certain point because Sheldon walks in randomly to the middle of the football party. Oh yeah, and and he goes, "Hey Leonard, 
how's the mimesis going? Which is a very weird thing to say in yes. any context, but <laughs> but even even here and uh, and Lauren's like, I don't get what you're trying to say to me, and Sheldon goes, Oh, the mimesis, you know, the the property whereby a thing uh, through imitation takes on the properties of the takes on the truth like properties of the thing in which it is imitating, um, which I think I'm mostly freaked out about because I've been reading. Uh, like, this is mostly, like, I'm having, like, a weird, like, flashback because uh, I've been reading an essay by that a friend sent me that one of their friends who's taking a, a master's class in critical theory sent. So it was, I got it third hand. Like, can you believe the shit that they make these, like, the, that they teach in master's classes for literature and stuff these days? And it's by a guy named Jacques Ranciere. And he, uh, Ranciere? Yeah. And he talks Rancid. So- he talks a lot about like paradigm shifts in art and the you know the way in which they you know change political consciousness and all of these sort of things. And in there, he mentions poetic mimesis several times, which is why I recognized immediately that uh, that Sheldon was invoking like a piece of classical critical theory randomly in the middle of this episode of the Big Bang Theory, and I almost had a heart attack. What What does your friend find objectionable about that? I mean, if you read the essay, it's not that the essay isn't. Um, it's just hard to read. It is like, oh, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like, yes, this could be a compelling point or this could be total garbage hidden as techno jargon, which is yeah. a problem you have a lot in philosophy anyway, but it gets particularly bad when you get into yeah. critical theory Whether because you cranked be, out on a postmodernism generator. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Because it just becomes this whole long, like. You know, the movement of the sublime through the conjectural standards of a Schiller, you know, type evaluation of art, blah, uh, blah, 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 blah. But similarly, and so it leads me to say things like the following, like, is Sheldon trying to tell Leonard that true happiness is to be found in authenticity and not through the imitations that he needs even? Like, Sheldon was speaking code, but he wasn't speaking that coded. He was basically saying... Hey, Leonard, come fly. Like, Sheldon basically rescues Leonard at the end of this episode because yeah. he comes in. He's like, don't do this. Come fly a kite with me instead. Um, be your true self. Don't be this person who feels like he has to be, you know, he has to artistically submit, which you find out because, again, the whole reason that Sheldon knows about football at all is because basically in order to please his father and have something to bond with him about you know, or rather, so his father could relate to his son, he forced them to watch a bunch of football together so that they could have something to talk about. And Sheldon obviously resented and felt trapped by this. So he explicitly said, I guess what I'm saying is this moment is, is like one of the most human things that Sheldon has ever done. But because it's expressed in such a weird way, it sort of comes off jilted and mechanical because he basically shows up and he's like, look, the thing that no one ever gave me when I was a child was a way out of having to please all of the people around me who were not like me because they came from this weird cultural construct that I didn't relate to. And I couldn't just be myself. I had to learn about football and things. You're an adult and you're my friend. You don't have to do this. We can just go fly kites. And it takes a minute to sink in, but eventually learn it's like, oh, fuck, football sucks. I want to go fly kites. And that's amazing. That's really sort of heartwarming if you think about it. Where was I go? Oh, so in conclusion, after all of that is done, uh, basically I'm saying that Leonard, with Sheldon's help, escapes the trap that Raj and Howard are not able to escape. How's that for a nice little A, B, laughing over, which is at the end of this episode, although they have tried, 
Howard is unable to break out of the false artistic narrative he has imposed on himself where he is somehow some kind of lady killer and Raj is still playing up that paradigm between them even though he knows it is entirely an illusion because he feels that is the thing that will make Raj or that will make Howard happy rather than drive or drag Howard into the realm of the authentic where they can live their lives and do the things they enjoy he uh what? he allows them he allows them... I told you this was going to get pretentious. I'm not worried about how pretentious it is. I'm just worried about what whack shit you're talking about <laughs> that Wallowitz is not being allowed to be his most authentic. Because we've talked about before that I don't believe that what Wallowitz really wants is to chase girls. I think he wants to be the type of person okay. who chases girls, which is a different thing. I guess so. Like, I think he would be much happier if he just accepted, no, this isn't who I am. I'm someone who flies kites. You know, I'm someone who yeah. wants to watch Battlestar Galactica marathons. I am not someone who ever wants to spend a single hour of my life at any kind of bar trying to pick up a woman and convince her to have sex with me. That is not what I want to be. And they almost get there, but they can't. We've hardly touched on the kite flying, and it's too late to really get into it. But goddamn, flying a kite looks so fun and satisfying. Do you want to go? I mean, we don't have to talk about it. Let's just go do it. Let's, let's go, go let's fly some fucking kites. Let's go fly a fucking kite. Kite time. 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 Kite time.